This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 435 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com, Stud Muffins, and the Fairfield Inn in Lexington, Kentucky. Well, today, coming up on the show, we have a book. We're going to talk to a very famous author, Richard Serrano, who has a new book out called American Endurance, about a race that you're going to want to hear about. And then also, we have our final listener of the year our final listener of the week of the year, as Helena would say. Andrew Dixon's coming on. I'm so glad we're ending with a guy. And then we have our final product review of the year brought to you by Horselovers.com of the Gatsby Padded Leather Halter with Dr. York. All coming up on today's show. Welcome to the Stable School. With weekly shows delivered right to you With Helena and Glenn the Geek Live from the stable, it's every week They'll bring you the news through hell or high water While using their tails as their own fly swatters So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable School Stable scoop. Stable scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena, and howdy, everybody. This is our last episode, where our last episode of the Year of the Listener for 2016. What a cool year it's been getting to know our listeners and how very smart they are. <laughs> They are very smart, yes. <laughs> I've felt inadequate all year, actually. I'm kind of feeling insecure okay. now about doing the shows because they're all so smart. I can't yes. figure out why they listen to us. <laughs> I don't know. We, I don't know. Maybe we make them feel even better about themselves. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they feel smarter. <laughs> yeah. Uh. You know, we had a nice comment on our Facebook page, on the auditor page. It was from Nicole Lutzma, who was on on October 22nd. She was our listener of the week, uh, episode 426 here on Stable Scoop. She said, I'm getting a horse hubby. My boyfriend proposed last week. We've been together seven years, which included seven barn moves. And he's even listened to my interview on Stable Scoop and still wants to lock it down. I like how she said lock it down. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Hebert, I think your encouragement on Stable Scoop helped me out here. So what I'm hearing here is he only got off his duff because I encouraged it. <laughs> his duff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, Glenn, you boys like to stick together. That's right. You follow each other's lead. Now, did I tell him actually to get off his duff or did I tell him to run? I don't remember which. Um, I, I, I think duff might have been. Okay, used. good. Because if I, I was thinking I told him to run and then he went, well, then I got to stay, you know, because nobody ever listens anyway. So right. I didn't know which it was. I have to go back and take a listen to see which I encouraged him to do. But congratulations to Nicole and boyfriend and now fiance. <laughs> Because I don't, we don't remember even what his name was at this point. So no, I know. So Sorry, congratulations, congratulations. Because <laughs> we're, we're, you know what, Glenn, my he he plays the kind of he plays the dude, but he's really a mush. He's a romantic mush. I've it's been out. married for thirty years for a reason. Yeah. Sure. Yes, this is true. And Jennifer's <laughs> all sweet and lovey dovey. She wouldn't be married to a you know a guy who wasn't a romantic mush. Well, we appreciate uh, very much uh, you posting that, and congratulations. It's always good to get follow-ups on previous interviews that we've had. Well, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit at the top of the show about next year. This year was the year of the listener, but next year we go into a new chapter like we usually do with Stable Scoop, and Helena is going to tell us what we're up to next year. We're going to have some, we're going to go back to sort of the previous topic-based format, and we're going to talk to People of interest, not just us. <laughs> I mean, I know that we're all interesting. We're fascinating. There's nobody more fascinating than the 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 HRN community of horse lovers. But we're we're going to go back to um, experts 
in the field. Uh, I know some of the topics that I'm interested in is talking to the leaders of organizations like um, the Interscholastic Equestrian Association, which I think is I think it's the best thing since Pony Club. Um, we're going to talk to inventors of new products, you know, going to these trade shows and finding problem solving products that are out there on the floor. What else are we going to do, Glenn? I can't think. Well, of, and, I, and, I know and, I sent you a list. And one of the things that I think makes this show a little bit different than like Horses in the Morning or some of our other shows is that we we have the time because we don't do as many segments. Uh, we have the time to really get in and get a little deeper into the conversation than we do in the other shows. So that's what we're hoping to get back to. We actually started that way, if you remember, all those years ago. Um, yep. we, we spent a little bit longer with each guest. Now, we haven't been able to do that this year because we've been packing so much into each episode, but we're going to go back to spending a little bit more time and getting a little into a little bit deeper conversations. And, and there'll be times that we will do one topic uh, for the episode where we get a couple of different people on, like like we did with the, like, the Lyme disease episodes and the episodes we did on cloning and things right. like that, uh, where right. we would we would spend an hour on one topic, and we haven't done that in a long time. And I think both of us want to get back to that because we really enjoy digging, get digging deep into these topics. It's a lot of fun. I, personally, I learn a lot, and I think through the conversation that our listeners learn the same way. And there's a lot more takeaways because the conversation goes further in depth. So, for example, I I just found the list that I sent to you. One of the things I'd really like to to feature is a farm management episode and do that roundtable discussion like we did with the cloning and, you know, have a barn manager on from a big barn and a small barn and talk about what kinds of things we can do to lower our overhead operational costs, you know, basically how to survive when running a, a boarding business or a training business. So the kinds of things that really, that, that affect not just the professional horse person, um, but things that are of interest to the, the hobbyist as well. And we want to hear from you. We want you to send us an email, glenn at horseradionetwork.com or helena at horseradionetwork.com with your ideas for topic-driven episodes. If there's something that you want to hear about that we haven't talked about or we haven't talked about in a long time and you want us to revisit, then send us an email. We'd be happy to hear from you. And we're looking forward to 2017 here on the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Our, we'll be, God, we'll be coming up in 10 years old. So What? <laughs> what? Yep. So uh, we're going to keep on going. Well, thank you for listening in 2016 as well, but we're not done yet. We got a couple more shows for you. Next week, we will have a special episode that was requested by a lot of our listeners, requested that we put all of the singing and poetry voicemails together from Radiothon into one show. And believe it or not, and this is a record for me and, and, and all of my podcasting friends, and Helena too, I'm sure, now that you're editing shows, I had 43 tracks in one sound file. Holy cow. Yes, there were 43 songs and, and poems in one hour sound file. And believe me, that was... <laughs> It, I had to keep looking up and down the tracks to anybody that knows how these look. I had to look up and down to make sure I didn't have gaps. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. So we put that together for next week. It's all going to be you guys singing. Do you realize I had an hour show with just the songs and poems from Radiothon? It was wow. an hour of our listeners. So that is so cool. And, you know, it's just, it's just neat. Now, um, so that's coming up next week. And then the following week, the week between Christmas and New Year's, we always take that week off uh, that we're closed here at the Horse Radio Network. We're heading home for the first time in 10 years to Jennifer's family. And we have for you the all-host episode, which we're recording tomorrow night. And uh, that, that'll be our eighth year, Helena, of doing an all-host episode. Uh, I love the all-host episode. I don't get to talk to my co-hosts, friends very Well, that's much. the thing. I talk to every all of you guys every week, but you guys never I talk know. to each other. So it's kind of well, cool. Didn't we, weren't we going to be planning um, an all-host gathering in Florida in Ocala soon-ish? We talked about doing that over the winter sometime. <laughs> that's all we ever do is talk well, about it. Well, we're it in the middle happens. of winter. I think solstice <laughs> is coming up in just a couple of days. It never happens. We always talk about it and it never happens. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, that was, I think that should be something in the works. And, and of course, because Horse Radio Network is headquartered in Ocala, I do think it should be somewhere in Florida. And who does not like traveling to Florida? Um, it's well, warm. Hello. And half our hosts are here in the winter anyway. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Here. So, and the other thing is, is most um, airline hubs will fly into Florida. They'll fly into and Orlando really, or something. really, really cheap. 
that we're about right, the cheapest so. place you can go is into Orlando. Right. Uh, so I think if we're if we're planning for, you know, a real group group event that that might be the most convenient. So we'll we'll have to talk about that. It's on the list of things to do. Well, uh, we want to also thank horselovers.com for being our title sponsor this year. It has been a great help to all of us uh, and, and to the show in general. And, of course, for sending out all the products, for sending out 50 products to the listeners to review. They went above and beyond this year, what we've had any sponsor do here before on the Stable Scoop show. And for being such a great sponsor for Radiothon 2. Let's hear a little bit about Horse Lovers, and then we're coming back with Richard Serrano. Now, you said he's like an award-winning author. Not just any Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist. I mean, that's terrific. He's coming on our show to talk about a new book. I have it here called American Endurance. I can't wait to read this thing. We should call this the intimidation episode I know. <laughs> between between uh, our listener of the week and uh, Mr. Serrano. We've got some heavy hitters. I'm I'm feeling a little a little self conscious. <laughs> Horselovers.com 50 Days of Christmas Countdown is starting. Every day from mid-November to the end of December, Horselovers.com is adding a new amazing deal of the day. You should sign up for their email list so that you are the first to know about the deals or visit Horselovers.com every day to see the amazing specials they are adding. In addition to that, for your shopping pleasure, Horselovers.com has special holiday flash sales. Two products at amazing prices for 24 hours, and then it's gone. You should visit the site every day to see the new flash sale. Get there first, because sometimes the quantities are limited. And of course, you can use the coupon code HRN for all orders over $49 for an additional discount only for listeners of the Horse Radio Network. That's coupon code HRN at checkout. Well, hi, Rick. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks very much for having me on today. Well, you know, all the listeners know Helena and I are huge history nuts. We love talking about history, especially when it involves horses. And you have this book called American Endurance, and I can't wait. I just got it. I can't wait to read it over over the Christmas break. Tell us what the book is, what it, what it talks about. It's a, uh event that happened way back in 1893, which was the year of the World's Fair in Chicago. And Buffalo Bill had just come back from Europe with a big triumphant tour with his Wild West show. And he was trying to uh, to join in on the on the World's Fair in Chicago. But the fair was, was really about the future. They were going to really promote what was coming, new inventions and, and, and so on. And they did, did not want to reflect on the past. And, and it really, it really kind of irked Buffalo Bill Cody, who was at that time easily America's biggest celebrity. So he and some others uh, uh, cooked up a plan to have cowboys race a thousand miles from the Badlands out near um, the Panhandle in Nebraska, all the way to his uh, doorstep, at, right next door to the fair. He set up his Wild West show right next door to the fair, and so you have this in the summer of 1893. You had nine cowboys uh, riding up to two horses over two week period, um, which was unbelievable at the time because it was it was such a you know, I mean, it's a, you can you can drive it today in, in, in almost in a day, but but back then, I mean, it was really a test of endurance, and even more importantly, at that point, you know, you're approaching the end of that century, and the, the old West was dying out. You know, the old West was kind of that chapter in American history is, was beginning to fade, and and the new century was, was always going to bring all these you know airplanes and and cars and and, and so many computers eventually, and two terrible uh, world wars, but. But the, so so the old West is sort of fading out. This is this this then you have this image of these cowboys and their horses um, galloping, you know, to, uh, a thousand miles, and the, you have this image of, of sort of the fading of the Wild West, like one last gasp of the West in a way. I'm looking here too. You have so, and I was really surprised at that in the book. You have so many original pictures. Well, uh, thank you for that. I enjoyed gathering the pictures. I went out to. Uh, to uh, Nebraska, I got some from the Nebraska Historical Society and and some from from the Library of Congress and others, and it's just it's a lot of fun to do that kind of thing and and to go into the I, I drove the 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 the, uh, the route of the of the West and, and of the race and, and it's a lot of fun to do that and pick up images and stuff like that and and I th- I think it really helps the book. 
So, you know, I'm looking at the map of the the route, and it's it's a pretty much a straight shot from Chicago all the way to Chadron. I'm thinking that's where it is, right? And so, right. Um, had you been to this area? Had you gone to this these states before doing your research for the book? Well, yes. I, first of all, I grew up in Kansas City, so I knew the Middle West pretty well. Okay. And uh, and hadn't left uh, left Kansas City until I was about thirty, but. Uh, so I knew I knew Iowa and I knew Nebraska a little bit, but I we drove out to uh, first we drove out to Wyoming. We went up to uh, the to Buffalo Bills uh, Historical Center in Cody, Wyoming, and did a lot of research there on uh, on his exploits. And then we drove down to Chadron, uh, which was at the start of the of the race. Okay. And then we then we simply just drove along through the through the through the plains of Nebraska, over the sand hills, uh, across the river uh, into Iowa. Missouri River into Iowa, and then, then across those plains and cornfields, and then across the big Mississippi, and then you just sort of sink right into Chicago. Can you tell, going, you know, driving this route now, do you get a sense, and then having obviously researched all the history, researched this race, can you get a feeling of what that race might have been like? Is the space at all the same? Obviously, there's been development, and, you know, we're Contemporary life exists now, but do you get a sense of the real history? Is it tangible when you go back there? It is tangible when you when you get outside of the big metropolis, you know, like oh Dubuque and Sioux City and 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 Iowa Falls, some of the bigger cities, and you get out into the, the outer lands. It's absolutely gorgeous, just just you know, wonderful terrain and beautiful countryside and green and blue sky, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And 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 in my mind's eye, I, I could think of these guys, and they they didn't race in a pack i mean the many times they were out alone and and uh, uh, you know out in the frontier r- racing and riding all alone and uh, i mean it gets very lonely out there very lonely yeah. but it but yeah. it is it's beautiful countryside just gorgeous yeah. was it rideable do you think like uh, uh, the the weather aside you know and some of the the pitfalls of what this kind of race might entail was it was it rideable territory it was rideable the sand hills were difficult uh, the sand hills are sort of north central Nebraska, and can be treacherous. And and uh, you know you some of some of the riders were from western Nebraska, and they knew how to get around it. But uh, sure, route a faster route was a shortcut to go right through it. But that that was with some risk. But it was it was rideable and and uh, exhausting. Uh, you had two horses. You you would ride one, and you would uh, you know you'd have the the second one. Uh, R- r- uh, galloping along with you, but it but didn't have the the, bur- the burden of carrying you. And then there were there were uh, way stations. And there, uh, when this started, there was kind of the beginning of the Humane Society groups were just kind of beginning in the in the United States. And they were particularly strong in Massachusetts and, and Illinois. And they really tried to stop the race. Uh, they were afraid that it was going to be animal cruelty, that the horses would be ridden to death. And uh, they demanded that Cody pull out of it, and, and he refused. And, and they they uh, enlisted the governors of the three states to stop it. And two of the governors warned that uh, they filed affidavits saying, uh, asking the sheriffs to, to to arrest them if any horses were overworked or or uh, brutalized in any way. And then they drove out. And the the day of the uh, they drove out. They took the train. And the day of the uh, that the race was to begin, they arrived in Chadron, a couple of the uh, society officials, and they were going to stop it. And they had a big meeting in the in the one one hotel there, and it was a little town, and and in the one hotel there, and they came up with a a compromise, where they would set up along the route. There were seven or eight or nine uh, examination stations, and so the so the society uh, officials would take the train. And they would be ahead of the writers, and then they they had to the writers had to go and they had to sign in and report, and then then they would the the veterinarians would examine the horses, and and that's how they did it. The first vet check, right exactly. there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's... And you talk about the terrain and and all that. You know, they did uh, in 1993, which was the hundredth anniversary of the ride. They they a bunch of the uh, cowboys. Some of some of them are actually. Uh, um, uh, grandsons and great grandsons of these riders rode the rode the uh, trail. They didn't they didn't race, but they and they went the opposite way. They went from Chicago to Chadron, and it took okay. obviously a lot longer. But but 
but it, it is some of the, the spectacular. I mean, I'm a son of the Mid- Middle West, and I, I love the Kansas Prairie. And I'll take that over Rocky Mounds or a coastline any day. I just love that, be able to see a flatland. And that's what you, that's what you see. I mean, you, you, you do go over two, mighty, two of the biggest, mightiest rivers that the United States has. But there's no, you know, Rocky Mountains. There's no uh, uh, Delta. There, you know, there's none of that kind of stuff. Just, just a beautiful countryside. That's mm. very cool. And you know, you did a lot of research for this book too, because I'm looking, and there's like 20 pages of credits at the end. <laughs> you did yeah. a lot of research. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I do this was my this was my fourth book, and when I do books, I have a. Um, I start with uh, an idea, and then I just I go I just deep dive into research. And sometimes I'll do two or three months, four months of it, and I don't want to stop. Yeah, and, I and know you I do have, have this stop. excitement about you when you're talking about the research. You, I can feel your energy go up a couple of notches. Oh, I love it. I, I just, I just love it. And and I don't. Part of it, one of the reasons why I don't stop is because there's fear of starting to write, that I don't have enough, that I, I don't understand the story well enough, and so I just, it's kind of putting it off. It's, there's there's that intrepidation. But yeah. finally, I have to. I, I realize I've got to come. I've got to stop and go into phase two of the of a project. How that's, do you then organize? The, how do you organize all that material? I mean, you you have so much of it. When you sit down, you it's like I can just imagine you've got this this a mass of material. I, I go to I, I go to the grocery store and I get cardboard boxes and I bring them home and then I get these Manila files and I start filling them up first by characters, you know, the people, the writers and the society people, Buffalo Bill. And, and then I do subject matters. And then I do on this one, I did uh, files for each day of the race so that, so that I can, I keep everything in my head. I mean, a stranger to come look at the boxes would be confused as hell, but, but, but in my head, I've got it organized that way. Right. Well, I have so many more questions, but I'm not going to ask them because I want to read the book. <laughs> I want to I find out what happens. Send, it to me. Send me your copy when you're done. <laughs> okay. I, I can't wait to read what happens. Like, like I have questions like, don't answer them because I they give away the ending. But uh, like, did it work? Did they get a lot of press? You know, did he end up uh, accomplishing what he hoped to accomplish? I got so many questions, but don't answer them. Cause well, I won't answer for. anything that gives away, but it is, it, it, it is a very... Uh, it's a very, very surprising ending, and, and uh, it ended in a way you'd never expect it to oh, end. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Oh, God. I, got, <laughs> I want to read this. <laughs> All right. Where do they get the book? It's called American Endurance. It's at Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble, most, almost all bookstores across the country. So Richard Serrano, and you'll find it. We'll put a link to it also on our Facebook page and also in our show notes at StableScoop.com. Well, thanks, Richard. This is fun, and uh, thanks for coming on. Well, bless your heart. I enjoyed talking with you guys. All right. Take care, Richard. Merry Christmas. Take care. Make time to you. Bye-bye. This holiday season, get the ultimate stocking stuffer for the horsey folks on your list with Stud Muffin's Boot Socks. Choose from a multitude of bright, fun designs that celebrate the special relationship we have with our horses. And every pair of socks comes packaged with a great big stud muffin horse treat, decorated for the season. You can find stud muffins, treats, socks, advent calendars, and reward boards at your local tack and feed supplier. Or you can visit their website, studmuffinshorsetreats.com. It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. And now for our last listener of the week of the year, we're going to welcome Andrew Dixon to the Stable Scoop Show. Andrew is not only a horse lover, but a professor of marine chemistry at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography at the University of California in San Diego. To me, that's almost cooler than being a horse person, but... (laughs) We're just going to, I'm really excited to get to know you, Andrew. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Tell us a little bit about what, what you do. Um, do you do research? Um, are you primarily teaching? What, what does your regular day job look like? Uh, primarily uh, research. I have a, a lab here at the University of California. 
that specializes in measuring the carbon dioxide levels in the ocean. And we also act to act as the kind of calibration lab for all the other labs around the world that do that measurement. Wow, that's a big responsibility. It must keep you very busy. Some of the time. <laughs> I sneak out to ride, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of them, do you, do you spend a lot of time on the ocean-going vessels that I see? You've got some pretty cool boats. I myself don't these days. I haven't for quite a number of years. Uh, the people in my lab, probably we will do 10 to 12. Three of them will do about a total of 10 to 12 weeks a year. Wow. There's some, that's some serious equipment that you have. And so, you know, I, I have another podcast called that Newport show. And so we focus, we tend to focus on the Marine industry. And a lot of times I make comparisons between the horse world and the Marine world and pretty much how you have to think. And I think, um, there are some similarities between, and, and I think the similarities are really in, in the passion. So how do you take your passion for what you do for a living and compare that to your passion for horses? How did those two things come together in one person? Um, I find that uh, difficult to understand. They don't entirely come together because, of course, on the one I'm here at the lab or working or on the other I'm with the horses. And the beauty of being with the horses is essentially I'm not thinking about anything else. Okay. And so they don't really come together. On the other hand, when I'm at the lab, sometimes I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's still a job. <laughs> well, you, they might not there come together that. in yeah. your conscious mind, but <laughs> somehow I think that the things that we learn in one part of our lives seep into the, the other part of our lives. Tell us a little bit about your horse life. Uh, my horse life really is kind of very limited. I started as a seven-year-old riding ponies in a field. And uh, the only interest was how fast we could get them to go. And then never really was on a horse again until one time at the circus when they said, would anybody like to try the bareback riding? And my hand in the crowd was waving wildly. And <laughs> I got called up and they put a harness on me, gave me a leg up onto the back of this large kind of dining table with four legs that could trot <laughs> and there I was going from kind of sitting to kneeling to standing to kneeling to sitting to standing to <laughs> until finally they pulled and I came off probably with a huge smile across my face and a large tear across my pants <laughs> <laughs> I think that happened to me yesterday <laughs> yeah. that's funny <laughs> And the next time, basically, it was about 35 years later, I went on a trail ride. And my daughter had just started riding at that time. And I thought, well, you know, this would be a lot of fun to try and do more of. And so I was quite overweight at that time. I lost a bunch of weight, got involved helping at the barn, doing uh, magna wave therapy on horses and realized that I really enjoyed being around the horses. And on the whole, they seemed to like being around me. And so gradually I moved into learning to ride and ended up, I now work at, well, work over states maybe, but I'm an elderly working student at a dressage barn where I'm learning to ride more and more rigorously as the weeks go by. But I'm also helping out with the feeding and the tacking and the grooming and the hand walking and the, and the as you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a endless uh, list of things you do. You know, this is interesting because this is not our common story. The common story is that the mom ends up getting involved because the kids got involved. But uh, <laughs> your wife, not so much, huh? No, she's she's not very fond of horses and is even a little scared of them. My daughter said one of the funniest things she ever saw when she my wife had taken her to a riding lesson was a horse wandered over and kind of put his head in her lap as though to say, hi, pet me. And she was just sort of frozen looking at it with wide staring eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they know, cats and horses, man, they'll get right in your lap. <laughs> Especially if you don't like them, they want to convert everybody. So do you find yourself, do you find a growing passion for not just the, the riding part, but for the care and the horse management? I, I really do enjoy the care and the horse management. I mean, you know, at some level, they kind of jokingly refer to me as their barn manager now, even though I'm only there, you know, two, two and a bit days a week. Because that way, you know, the food's always there because I get to order that. And 
I get to help with some of the various medical things that deal with the horses as well. That's cool. And you're in San Diego, so what what's the what are the barns like there? Like your boarding stable and where you take your lessons and stuff. What are they like there? Is there a lot of land, or are they very small? Um, there's not a lot of land. Most of them are quite quite small, but there's a lot of horses, and so the property that we're currently on and the barn I'm in moved at the end of September, beginning of October, which was quite a chaotic process. The property itself is 10 acres, and in principle, it's uh, zoned for 94 horses. Whoa! They don't, they yeah. don't have that many there That kind the of violates the one acre a horse rule, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't eat the grass. There isn't any grass. Right. Okay. Yeah, so it's not like they're foraging. <laughs> no, they're not foraging, except occasionally after it's rained and there'll be little fragments and the horse's eyes light up with glee. As you walk <laughs> around and say, that bit's green. Can we go there? You know what's so <laughs> funny is when I first met Jennifer, she was on a 100-acre farm that her parents owned. And, of course, I didn't know anything about horses. This was my, you know, and I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where there was nothing but huge farms. So when I got to Jennifer's, I just thought everybody that had horses had 100 acres. You know, that was my perception yeah. for years, was that yeah. everybody that has horses has all this land, and it's kind of a pain in the neck because it takes you forever to take care of it all. But I, I couldn't imagine anybody having a small lot with, like, 10 horses on it, like we saw in Norco, California. Um, yeah. Yeah. In contrast, you know, when I took my daughter to riding lessons, I was just amazed because all these horses were there all in like little stalls. And yeah. the only time they got out was to act for, for their uh, active exercise as a lesson or maybe a turnout once a week. Yeah. Gosh, that's painful. Yeah, that, that's I painful. That's Did sad. you realize that that was something that 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 wasn't a best practice at the time? I mean, sometimes we're exposed to these new hobbies or these new activities, and you don't really know what you don't know. Did you get a sense though that then this was not right? Well, it, it didn't seem ideal, and yeah. later, you know, when I was kind of helping and working around the barn, talking to the farrier, he'd commented that there'd been a horse that had had trouble with lameness and that he'd spoken with the groom and they'd kind of snuck one of the horses out into one of the rings and left them there overnight, you know, put them in after dark, get them out before dawn. Hmm. And that the, the uh, lameness had substantially repaired itself with that ability to move around. And that's when it came to me that this was another part of the care and keeping of horses. Funny how yeah. that works, right? I mean, it is interesting yeah. how that works. How about your daughter, Emma? And now Emma rides, you said uh, Emma rides hunters, and she's now in college. So is she on the team there, or did she kind of put the horses aside for a while? Um, she's considering uh, joining the group that takes the team, but she's not on it. She's really uh, been focusing on doing well in the classes. And where's she go? And so she goes to a, a place called the University of San Diego, which is a separate university nearby. She was originally homeschooled and then got a scholarship to go to this university. Very cool. And occasionally I will take her to a riding lesson and uh, just stay and watch, as I always have. <laughs> right. That's your duty. It's your dadly duty. Near enough. Near <laughs> enough, yes. Now, well, now that she's older, if I'm out of town, she goes by Uber to such a lesson. Ah. Do the, when you get together, does the conversation tend to focus around horses? Not so much. My daughter is, if I would say my daughter had an obsession, it would be theater. She will often, you know, she's talking and somebody says, oh, your dad's in horses. She says, yes. You know, I like horses. My dad's. Uh, completely besotted, you know? <laughs> <laughs> My dad's the one that's addicted. Well, I, you know, I love the fact that she's in theater because I think everybody should be. But uh, so what, what is her passion in theater? Is it, does she sing? What, what's her passion? She, she loves theater. She loves to watch theater. She loves to participate. She's acted in a couple of things. She'd love to sing, but her singing is more an enthusiasm than a strong ability. Yeah. Neither parent is a meaningful contributor there. <laughs> and we always think about the line in Spamalot when they talk about how it must be so difficult to sing and dance at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's Agreed. True. They never but, let me sing either. Uh, she currently is, you know, hoping to do a double major. And I said, well, what will it be? And she said, well, it used to be she'd say theater and physics. 
And now Love it's it. sort of morphing to theater and mathematics. Okay, that works. That works. Because you know what? Math is pretty dramatic, let me yeah, tell you. Yeah. But you don't usually really hear those is. two together. <laughs> no. I've seen drama in math, it's true, but dramatic, I'm not sure, is necessarily the word that was in mind. <laughs> Well, how'd you, before we go into the rapid-fire questions, how'd you hear about us, the Horse Radio Network? Um, I was listening to a, a podcast on horses that I'd found by accident called something like the Woe Podcast. And then I started to just look around iTunes a little bit, and I found uh, the horsemanship one with Debbie Love mm-hmm. and started listening to that. And then gradually started others. Until now, I probably listen to everyone. Yay! That's what we like to hear. Uh, you know, it's funny because people ask me, and you'll appreciate this, pe- being that how you figured out that there were podcasts out there, people ask me all the time, are you worried about competition, about other shows coming on? And I have said, and Helena will tell you this, for eight years that I've been disappointed there hasn't been. Uh, and yeah. that the reason is... People don't listen to just one podcast. They, once they figure out podcasts, they listen to multiple podcasts. And we've been the ones kind of leading the way, educating the horse world about podcasts and haven't gotten much help like from other people starting shows. And, you know, I've always hoped that there would be uh, 20 shows out there like ours because people will gradually figure out that there's more out there. And, you know, so I'm glad you found us through really somebody else because that's what I always hoped would happen. Uh, we're missionaries of sort, you know, yeah, we want yeah. to convert yeah. everyone into a horse lover of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> and so the more that yeah, are no, out I've, there, the, the better. I've had s- such a wonderful time listening to all the various things and, and some other horse podcasts as well. And certainly it's, uh, largely distracted me to, from listening to spy novels, which is what I used to listen to on my phone when I walked the dogs. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, we have a couple minutes left. Let's uh, go into the rapid-fire questions. And this will be... Well, this isn't the last rapid-fire questions for the year, and I'll tell you why. On our All Hosts episode that we do every year, that'll come out between Christmas and New Year's on all the shows, we will be asking the hosts some of the rapid-fire questions this year. So oh, uh, you can look for that then. But uh, go ahead, Helena. All right, Andrew, we're going to take, we're going to go back in time and pretend we're 14 years old and that all that matters in the world are the answers to these questions. Yeah, what is your favorite uh, my, food? My comment about that time is that youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, that is true. I that is true. I agree. <laughs> so what is your favorite food? Bread. Bread. All kinds and of bread? Bread-like, and bread-like things, yes. Oh, so, you know, a meal... With bread, like a sandwich, or bread and soup, or bread and stew, or I just mm. suddenly dawned on me a few weeks ago, having heard you ask people this all the time, that actually that would be the true answer. Okay, I hey, I'm a bread fan myself. I dunk it in. We always have at least ten different kinds of bread in this house, which is not always a good thing, but we I can't seem to change it, and I can't seem to stop eating it. So I'm with you. What's your least favorite food? I don't have a particular food, but it's a particular texture in food. I don't like slimy. <laughs> I guess I think... slimy already says I don't like yeah. it. But, uh, yeah. I, I'm thinking there are certain, like, sago and desserts. And one I particularly remember was tasting in Japan a sea slug. Mm-hmm. And I definitely needed the large glass of uh, Japanese scotch <laughs> after that. <laughs> That doesn't even sound good. For my courage plus the disinfectant effect. <laughs> I guess I guess an aversion to slimy foods is some kind of evolutionary benefit. So, all right. I'm, you know, oysters, I you adapt oyster, you know, slimy foods, you yeah, can get oysters, past it. oysters I don't mind, but uh I don't rush to eat them. Yeah. What would be your biggest equestrian pet peeve? Oh. People that just uh, don't really seem to care about the effect they're having on the horse. Okay. Well, the horse so... is to do something for them. They don't feel that they're, it's a partnership in any way. Yeah. Sadly, there's plenty of those people around because pretty much everybody who comes on this show, you know, whatever, however they answer that question, whatever details they use, it, it pretty much points to the same problem. And that's this 
the fact that people forget they don't really have an empathy for the animal. It, it often feels like a machine to them. You know what? But that says a lot about our listeners, doesn't it? Because that's been a common, common answer all, all year long. So that yeah. just makes me proud of our listeners is what it does. It just says a lot about the people who choose to listen. Yes. And they're attracted to the philosophy that we live by as well. You know, Horse Radio Network isn't about just, I don't know, talking about horses. We're talking about loving them and taking care of them and doing right by them and understanding them. Oh, look, I'm going to start crying and get all mushy. All right, we got to move on here. Andrew, what's the most terrifying thing you've ever done? And would you do it again? Um, I I find that hard to even imagine because... On the whole, I don't get terrified of things until it's afterwards. And probably it was uh, practicing flying aerobatics when I came in and a tire burst on the landing. And, oh, boy. Uh, the, the you plane, were flying? The plane sort of, I, I'd been flying, yes. And the plane had been wiggling a bit and, and I got off and looked and went, oh, that explains it. <laughs> One tire gone. And then I went, oh, my God, uh, I'm not sure I'd wish to repeat that. No, that wouldn't be one you'd sign up for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, too, that, that happens a lot to people. I think that you, when you're in the moment, you don't necessarily feel fear. I think your body will react because you're sensing that there's danger. And so your, your body's going to go into survival mode and you do what you have to do. And then you don't actually feel the results until you're safe. And, and it's okay to freak out. <laughs> I've been there. At least, I, you know, that happens to me when I'm fox hunting. So, Yeah. So the early one that crossed my mind was uh, early on when I had been riding for a little while. I was walking a horse around the show park where we were situated at the time. And suddenly behind me, there was this sound of hooves. And a riderless horse came galloping past. And mine joined in with enthusiasm. I went, okay, we learned to canter the last week, or was it the week before? <laughs> Let's see if we can stay up here. But again, that was the same of not really starting to go, oh, my God, until we'd actually stopped again. Right. 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 One more. If you could have a superhero power, what would that power be? I still think, like with many of our other listeners, flying would be wonderful. It's been in my dreams on occasions, and I'd kind of like it in real life too. There you go. Do you like Do you like it for the time saving factor or for the feeling? The feeling and the view. Yeah. Said well, like you know, a you true get, pilot. <laughs> you can. You can. I mean, yeah, you can fly planes and everything, but you can also get that feeling at a good gallop. One day, I hope I'll be able to tell you. Yes, I know that. But <laughs> as, as an intermediate rider who, who rides predominantly in arenas, we've not been there yet. We've been at a, a brisk canter. Well, Andrew, I wish you a good gallop before it's all done. And thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you being our last listener of the week of the year, as Selena said. Uh, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. And thank you so much for bringing joy to my life all year. Thank you. Uh, It was a pleasure to have you. The Horse Radio Network is excited to announce a new partnership with the Fairfield Inn North by Marriott in Lexington, Kentucky for Road to the Horse and Rolex. The Fairfield Inn North is right off Newtown Pike and Route 64 near the Cracker Barrel and only 10 minutes from the horse park the back way, you know, the low traffic way. The Fairfield Inn North has spacious rooms that are being completely renovated now and will be ready in time for Road to the Horse. Plus, the Fairfield Inn North offers complimentary breakfast, a free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, a huge free parking lot, a business center, indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, outdoor patio with grill, a laundry facility, and much more. The Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner right around the corner. Just for listeners of Horse Radio Network, we have negotiated some great rates for you for Road to the Horse and Rolex. For Road to the Horse, we have the rate down from $160 to $120. If you're going to Rolex, we have the rate down to $199 from $260. There's a very limited number of rooms available at these rates, so call in your reservations as soon as possible. 
search for Fairfield Inn North in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the one on Hackney Place. You must call in your reservation and ask for the Road to the Horse or the Rolex Early Bird Special. So that's the Road to the Horse or Rolex Early Bird Special. Search for Fairfield Inn North by Marriott. Well, now we have coming up the Tack and Habit segment, our product review brought to you by Horselovers.com. And Dr. York is with us, and I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. York. She stopped by over the weekend, said hi, saw the farm in the studio, and got to say hi to Scooter. Uh, Well, thank you so much for stopping by. You're welcome. It's nice to be on with you. And, you know, anybody that uh, is through Ocala and wants to stop by and sit in on a show or just say hi to Scooter, nobody comes to see us. They all come to see the horses. Uh, Wants to say hi to Scooter and Nigel, you're welcome to do that. But now you were reviewing a product for us, the Gatsby Padded Leather Halter Adjustable. And tell us about it. Okay. Uh, Well, I got the uh, Gatsby Adjustable uh, Padded Leather. Uh, halter, which is a, a black leather, uh, traditional English-looking uh, halter. Uh, it's a it's a pretty nice quality of uh, of leather with some light padding under the uh, the crown piece of the halter and also under the noseband. Um, what I liked about it, especially, is that the leather is uh, quite supple and nice looking, even right out of the box uh, before being oiled or anything. Um, for traditional-looking English halter, uh, what you'd expect to see on you know English barns at or at a horse show. Um, it's adjustable at the crown piece on both sides and also at the chin piece part of the nose band. And it has a satin finish uh, nickel plated um, metal pieces, the hardware, um, which are matte instead of shiny, which kind of gives it a little bit more of a high quality look in my opinion. Um, my one concern about the halter is that um, the, the metal pieces are a little bit lightweight and especially the snap where you'd close the, the throat latch. Um, I do have a, a bit of a concern about how long that would last compared to the rest of the halter. It just seems a little bit more lightweight, might not stand up in the same way as the rest of the leather, which is very nice. Uh, the fit is uh, pretty much as I would have expected it for a horse-sized halter. Uh, my horse, Harry, is a quarter horse and has a, a slightly smaller head than your typical thoroughbred, uh, so the buckles are, are tightened to their um, to their you know, tightest setting, basically, but it's what you would expect for a horse-sized halter. Uh, and overall, I really like it. It's, uh, it looks quite high quality, even though it's not a very expensive halter, and uh, will probably look even nicer with some oiling on the leather. And in my opinion, it would be good for trailering or sometime where you wouldn't want to use your fanciest leather halter. Uh, I use a rope halter most of the time, and uh, I wouldn't want to use that while trailering my horse. So this is perfect for me because I can uh, put this halter on um, when Harry's in the trailer or uh, when I'm doing something else I wouldn't want a, a rope halter for. Um, but it's not a big uh, financial commitment to have a nice uh, leather halter around. So overall, I really like it. Terrific. This runs about 50 bucks, so it's uh, it's a good price point for a leather halter, especially a padded leather halter, which tend to run a little higher. Uh Looks like it's on sale for $40 right now on Horse Lovers, too. Look at you. You are a walking commercial. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Gatsby Padded Leather Halter. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. York, for doing that review. We really appreciate it. And have a wonderful Christmas. You too. Happy holidays. Well, now, before we wrap up this show, what are you, what's, what's going on over there on that Newport show, Helena's other podcast? Vacation planning. So living in the Northeast, we we know that our listeners are dreaming about going south for at least a week. So we talked about the going, giving yourself the gift of the Caribbean for Christmas. And um, Buck and I travel there and we do so on a budget. A lot of people think that going to the Caribbean is out of their financial reach and it's not. So we we visited this particular island called Nevis a few years back and there's a place is absolutely adorable and if you like horses you'll really like this place it's called the Hermitage Hermitage Plantation Inn and it's your typical classic British West Indies experience. It's just adorable. And um a part of the property, the guy who the, actually the guy who who founded this plantation, this inn, is from Pennsylvania. 
And the story is that he and his wife were sent down to St. Kitts and Nevis to open up an office for the Bank of America. I think this was back in the 50s and 60s. And so not only did he open up an office for the Bank of America, but he then decided to open up this inn because he fell in love with the islands. And so he and his wife ended up staying on Nevis and they raised their family there. And so their son now runs the inn. But the dad who started the the inn was a huge animal lover. So when Buck and I went to visit this place for lunch, we went into this bar, which totally has this like, you know, the British, the colonial wood and the plantation shutters, but that Caribbean, the, the, the trade winds, you know, and there are these beautiful paintings of thoroughbreds old school racing thoroughbreds. And I'm like, okay, somebody here likes horses. And then right next to the inn on the side of this beautiful mountain are these ponies, fat and shiny and some horses and happy. And I'm like, what are these here for? And then there are goats and then there's cats. And I'm like, this is like Dr. Doolittle totally lives here. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to listen to the podcast to find out the whole story, but it's really charming. And Actually, if you want some details on how to get to this place on the cheap, then um, definitely visit our website and, and join our email list because we send out our secrets, our secrets for Caribbean travel. On our I got to tell you, I'm looking at the pictures. This is so cute. They have the cutest little cottages. Oh, gosh. It's, it's it so is cute. that cute. It is that cute. It really, it really is. And it's chill. There's no, it's not resort-like or anything. You, you literally feel like you're going to your aunt or uncle's country home in the Caribbean. Very good. And that's over on thatnewportshow.com. Well, thank you for another terrific year, too, Helena. And thank you for putting up with me for another year. I really appreciate it. And it's been fun to hang out with our listeners this year. It has been super fun. I I look forward to my recordings every week with you and, and then meeting our listeners. I really like getting to know them. It was it, a, a lot of, of fun. being. You know, this community has grown. It's like our kids, Glenn. You know, it's funny because when I uh, told some other podcasters that we were going to do a year of the listener and that's all the guests we were going to have for a whole year, they shuddered because I don't think they ever dreamed that that. But our numbers were up 20, almost 25 percent this year. Um, And, you know, I think that I think that a lot of podcasters miss out on the opportunity to get to know some of the most interesting people. That's their own listeners. And we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to have listeners on because you guys all have, you know, neat stories. We've always done that. Uh, neat stories, things you do as you do exciting things with horses, let us know. And we want to hear about them too. So we'll, we'll definitely be continuing to do that. It's not like we've just talked to our last listener ever. That's We've always had listeners on. But uh, it's just that this year it was exclusively listeners. And uh, we really appreciate all of the reviews you've done and everything and all the sponsors that we've had on this show over the year. We've had a lot of great sponsors, of course, Horse Lovers and Equestrian Collections for their uh, support this year as well. Well, that's it. We'll talk to you guys. We have new shows the next two weeks, so look for them. And uh, we'll see you, Helene and I, will see you back here on Stable Scoop in 2017. Happy holidays to each and every one of you. Until then, happy scooping. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, no scooping. Everybody gets the holiday off from scooping. Oh, no scooping? Okay, well then you, you no end sco- it Just with let you. the poop pile up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Happy non-scooping holidays, everybody. Now go out and ride your horse, as you like to say. <laughs>